All right. Do, 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 do. Let's get comfortable. I'm using the right mic. I'm cuddling my friend, the space heater. Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. I got my coffee. Okay. guys coming up on june 12th we have an episode all about our favorite mythical creature dragons we will be discussing all things dragon including our favorite dragons from books and why we love them so much tune in for some fun if you love the show and want to support us you can check out patreon.com slash the book life podcast for a huge list of perks we hope you consider supporting us if you can and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening thank you Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, the Pirate Queen and Leah. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. All right. Well, welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are talking about Set the Sunlight by Intisar Kalani. Yeah? hmm I did a good job. I tried. Hopefully, I yeah. did a good job. Um, this one, a- what? I think it's Kahani. Mm, yeah i did put an l in there honey there we go so this was a continuation of the dauntless path book so if you guys remember we read thorn which was a goose girl retelling which is book one which is kind of like more of a standalone like you don't have to read it to read this one but you should read it because there are characters that are important who show up in this book so this book one okay i'm gonna talk about how did i read this book i read this from the library and i got these so i'm kind of like an an impatient reader and after i finished thorn i immediately put both of these books on hold so there's two more books after this one and i was like oh my gosh please give me the books i need to read them right now and so i read them on uh, my kindle app essentially to the library how'd you read it abby I read the physical books. Yeah, the Thorn is actually was written as a standalone and Theft of Sunlight and then the one that comes after it, Darkness at the Door, were written as a duology years later. So like you don't have to read Thorn in order to read this duology, but it's we highly recommend it because there are plot points that are not like fully resolved in Thorn. They're like they're fine as they are, left as they are, but there's a couple plot points that are wrapped up much more satisfactorily in Theft of Sunlight if you have read Thorn. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessary, but it's recommended by us because holy crap, that payoff was beautiful. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. And then, yes. And then Abby was like, Mo, you need to read The Bone Knife because The Bone Knife is a direct short story that leads that's set years before um this duology which has important points mm-hmm. in it yeah it's um mm-hmm. it was a good short story too it was actually my physical copy of thorn had that short story in the back of it so i just immediately went oh well obviously the short story comes after this novel so i just you know read it because i was right there but yeah it was uh i definitely recommend reading that short story as well again you don't have to but I feel that there's more payoff if you do. And I completely agree with that assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, so Abby has some fun facts today because she actually did her due diligence. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, 
Intisara Kahani was born in Wisconsin, but she actually grew up as a nomad with multiple stints in Saudi Arabia, along with boarding school in New Hampshire and college in both Minnesota and Colorado. Um, but her family is actually from Pakistan, and she is currently married with two little ones and lives in Ohio. So she has been all over the place. Oh, man. I, when I think about that, I'm like, how did all of her life and her travels play into her books? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Makes me very curious. Well, in like the beginning of Thorn, you start in a country that's very Eurocentric. Mm-hmm. Like it's clearly meant to be a European country. But then the majority of Thorn and this duology all take place in a Middle Eastern country, like a country that is very obviously meant to be somewhere in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can definitely go with that. That would be a direct correlation with this, too. Even with mm-hmm. the boarding school, like thinking about, you know, how Ray was sent, not really sent away, but how she travels, you know, is kind of like going away from your family as a young adult mm-hmm. and having a new experience. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm, lots of fun co- thoughts and correlations. Well, Abby, can you please give us a summary? Gladly. Children have been disappearing from across Manaya for as long as Amreya Ni Ansarim can remember. When her friend's sister is snatched, Ray knows she can't look away any longer, even if that means seeking answers from the royal court where her country upbringing and clubfoot will only invite ridicule. Yet the court holds its share of surprises. There she discovers an ally in the foreign princess who recruits her as an attendant. Armed with the princess's support, Ray seeks answers in the dark city streets, finding unexpected help in a rough-around-the-edges street thief with secrets of his own. But treachery runs deep, and the more Ray uncovers, the more she endangers the kingdom itself. Dun-dun-dun! It's a mystery! I kind of like how Mm. this book is like... One part about representation, one part about political intrigue, one part about Sherlock Holmes, you know, being a detective. Mm. I actually love um, the disability representation in this book because Ray, who is the main character, is disabled. She has a club foot, which means it's like turned inward and it she has trouble walking on it. And the thing I loved about this duology was that it felt so natural for her to wear out as easily as she did for her to um, fatigue when she did for her to have pain in her foot when she did. Like it was very naturally put in as you would expect somebody who had such a disability to be reacting in certain situations. And I thought that was really cool. Cause like there's even several discussions about the shoes that she wears and how she has them made specially for her foot um, to make it easier for her to walk and she ends up having like um, an argument basically with this new shoemaker and she's like look I get that it's not pretty but it's comfy so you you have to make it the right way he's like no 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 I won't make it the right way so he makes the shoes the way he wants to make them to make them pretty and she comes back a couple days later to her cousin her cousin sees her foot and is like WTF, we are calling that shoemaker right now. This is unacceptable. And her cousin basically reams the shoemaker out, is like, look at her foot. This is your fault. Fix the shoes correctly this time. Oh man. And Speaking of scenes that made me mad, we'll talk about that at the after our break. 
yeah we'll talk about that later but like the representation is so authentic in this book like because ray has to do a lot of walking around a lot of places and so like throughout the book it's dropped in that you know she was starting to get tired the people around her weren't or and just like little things like that that made it so realistic Mm -hmm. but you also her her disability was not the focus of the book either it wasn't constantly brought up out of nowhere it wasn't um focused on as a plot point it was just something about her if that makes sense and that's what made it feel authentic because it wasn't like oh i'm disabled oh i'm disabled oh i'm disabled like every freaking page it was just this is a part of this character and went with it like any other part of a character like if they had a different hair color than most of the other people in the country that might be something that came up occasionally in certain situations but it wouldn't be a main focus you know no nothing like this so which i yeah fantastic disability representation i adored it Mm -hmm. so let's dive into the character so we've mentioned ray who Abby said the full name earlier, and I will not try to butcher that name right now, but she is our main character, and she is one of the things that they really focus on is some of her character flaws because she can be, she can allow her disability to be her full self-identity. And this book and the next book take a whole journey that shows herself in the world that she's not her, just her disability, but she is a whole person. And I love what we see and what happens in that journey during this book Mm -hmm. we have alara alara i'm really good at butchering names um the princess who's engaged to prince um crestron crestron thank you we have crestron the prince who is heir to the throne we have um bren bren perfect a young thief in the city who is friends with the princess and eventually will become friends with ray we have naya who is ray's older sister who has magic and has to hide her magic despite it being against the law and we have bean who is ray's younger sister who doesn't have magic but she sure do sure do wow she sure does love the animals yes she sure do oh man we have um armenian 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 cool friends right hand man they are good friends and they have all the good connections in the city we have um garin who is kirsten's cousin who is next in line for the throne we have Kirana, an accountant that Ray befriends within the court. And we have Felidon, who is Kristen's close friend and Ray's cousin by marriage. And we have Romelia uh, Melly, Ray's cousin, who is married to Felidon. And I apologize for anyone. How badly I butchered these names. You um you skipped one. You skipped uh Melchior, who is Kestrin's captain of the guard. What I also skipped one. His name is Melkron. He is Kristen's captain of the guard. Thanks <laughs> for pointing that out. Obviously, I'm really good at skipping things around. So that's kind of your main cast of characters. Um, there is even more people. 
um, throughout the book as you get into the next book. But you know what? We're only going to talk about this book today. And we're doing our very, very best to not spoil the other book after it. As Abby had to correct me a few times, like, nope, that happened in the next book, Mo. Nope, can't mention that one next book. And I was like, dang it, dang it. <laughs> so here we go, guys. We're going to take a break. If you're intrigued by this book, and you're like, wow, I got to go read it and I don't want to hear any spoilers. Stop. Come back later. You know where to find us. All right. Talk to you in a minute, guys. Hi. I'm Bethany Finger, the host of Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast. Join me every week during my read-along journey through all of the books by author Marissa Meyer, one chapter at a time, spoiler-free. Each episode will feature a different guest, new fan art, and laughter and joy through reading. You can find Prince Kai Fan Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other listening platforms. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. And remember, if you don't want spoilers for The Theft of Sunlight, you need to stop right here and go read the book. And we highly recommend that you do because this is an amazing book and we really don't want to spoil things for you because holy crap, spoilers. All right. Favorite characters. Oh, um, well, honestly, everyone in the book except for one person. Is that wrong? <laughs> Like, can I just like, okay, one, I want to start with Ray. Ray goes through this transformational journey. You know, she only sees herself as a country girl, very hardworking, you know, defines herself by her disability. She's very hard on herself. She very much has let other people's opinions like permeate how she views herself. And she just has let that become her identity. And watching her change is just my favorite thing in the book. She is a delightful main character. Very sassy. Takes no crap from anyone, even the princess or the prince. And she's like, "Mm, probably shouldn't have said that to the person that can kill me if they want to. (laughs) Whoops. I appreciate her. I agree. I adore Ray. I think one of the beautiful things about her character is that, yeah, she's, she's taken in things and assumes that everybody sees her a certain way and has let her disability define her a lot at the same time that's given her at the beginning of this book she's very comfortable with who she is like 100 she's fine with it mm-hmm. and i love the confidence that that gives her because she's like everybody sees me this way that's fine i'm cool with it and i'm just gonna live my life however the hell i want now because I know what everybody thinks of me. Mm-hmm. So, like, I appreciate the confidence that gives her. That's why she ends up sassy and saying things that other people probably wouldn't to certain people. But at the same time, I appreciate that as she goes on this journey, she's also um, finally realizing that, hey, not everybody actually sees me this way that I assumed everybody sees me. Um, and that's weird. But I'm going to, you know, ponder on this and maybe reevaluate. And she actually, you know, internalizes it and grows throughout these books. And I think that's wonderful because she starts out confident and she ends confident, but there's still growth. Yes. (laughs) So I think that's, I think that's wonderful. And I love, I love that she's another one of those strong female characters 
who doesn't have to pick up a weapon in order to be strong. I mean, <clears throat> she even gets um, chastised for not knowing how to defend herself. I and know. the princess is like, all right, everyone, you are taking lessons to get this uh, figured out. <laughs> yeah, she definitely overestimates herself in certain areas. But again, she learns and she grows. She's not just like this stagnant, confident character. Mm-hmm. She's very much like, yeah, okay, I screwed up. I shouldn't have done that. Um, Maybe I do need to learn to defend myself. Maybe I don't actually know everything. Which is definitely something I was kind of like, yay, yes, you. that's what you gotta do. Yes, I definitely appreciated her. Yeah. So who else did you like? Everyone. So next on the list of everyone <laughs> is... I love seeing um, Alira, also known as Thorne, from like the other point of view. You know what I mean? Like from the other, like we saw her as a goose girl. We saw her comfortable being who she was and Thorne. And then suddenly we now see her taking on this mantle of princess, you know, like the third most powerful person in the kingdom behind the prince and the king. And watching how she unites with her husband. Well, they get married in this book. How, But, you know, how they unite together to have a just a really great relationship, unified front. You know, they always have each other's backs. Um, they're equal partners. And I really love watching that, too. And she's smart. She's sneaky. Like, she knows she can't do things because she is such a high profile. So she's like, hi, Ray, I need you to go investigate this for me. And Ray's like, okay. <laughs> and she's like, this is what you're going to do. Go do it. Yeah, I I love that Thorn is completely from Elira's point of view. And then you get this book that's completely from Ray's point of view, looking at Elira. And you're like, oh, this is kind of cool seeing this character that you know very intimately from somebody else's perspective. Mm-hmm. And it was just great watching Elira continue to grow in this book. Right. You, you watch her grow throughout Thorn, and then you're like, okay, that was great. But then she she could have just ended up being this like side background character in the story who just like facilitates Ray doing things. But she really wasn't. She continued to grow as a character, too. And I thought that was awesome. I'm like, yes, she wasn't abandoned. She's continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, there's so much good stuff with her. We'll get to all our favorite scenes with her. Obviously, I love the prince because he is just, like, so supportive. He's like, doesn't look down on all the women. He's like, yes, ladies, what you need? I got you, you know. I love Kestrin. Like, He's great in the first book because you don't really know him. But like from somebody else's point of view, Kestrin is so different than he was in Thorn. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say it doesn't line up. Like I completely believe this is the same character. It's right. just very funny seeing it from outside of his relationship with Elira because <laughs> Ray's just like, wow, he's really kind of cold to everybody else except his wife, he adores her. And like, just watching him get his like goofy little smiles when she comes in the room and things like that is just like, 
adorable. It's absolutely adorable. Yes. <laughs> oh, they are so good together. Oh my gosh, I love them. I was like, yes, this couple that I adore, they are still together. Yes, they're still doing great. Because it's very clear mm. that like at the end of Thorn, um, Alyra is basically like, you need to give me time because I don't really know you. And Kestra's like, yep. it's okay. I love you. You take as much time as you want. <laughs> <laughs> I've known you forever. <laughs> but it's mm. very clear in Theft of Sunlight that Alyra has been warming up to Kestrin. And so like they give each other the goofy little smiles. And it's so cute because we're in Ray's shoes and I'm looking at it going, I am Ray in this situation. I am watching them be adorable and loving it. <laughs> right (laughs) they're so good i love them so much and then we whisk our way to our favorite back alley thief bryn bryn who decides that he's not going to tell someone his actual identity by the way guys if you can't figure out who bryn is in the book wow obviously he is red hawk the thief lord yeah if you read and... thorn and didn't figure it out before ray did you weren't paying attention <laughs> <laughs> oh no joke oh my goodness gracious and one thing i really like about them is that they have like this um like moral discussion like could i love someone that has an alternate way of life basically playing robin hood stealing from the rich and giving to the poor you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i i love the deep conversations that ray and bren have because like it they're kind of flirty he's obviously flirting with her every time they interact but at the same time it's not just surface level stuff like they're genuinely getting to know each other and having deeper conversations and like conversations about morality of certain actions and just like it's the kind of relationship that people like us are like yes that is realistic that is what you want in a long-term relationship favorite color no idea what they think about murder yes i know that Mm. (laughs) yes but yeah i just mm, i adore it because brent is also he falls into the same category as Kestrin of the um, super supportive, you know, male romantic lead. But he's a very different character than Kestrin. Because <laughs> Kestrin is like this noble prince who never does anything wrong. And Bren is like, uh, yeah, I've murdered people. <laughs> so I, I don't know how you feel about that. I don't know how you feel about that, but um, I've murdered people. Just so you're aware. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, I I love him though because he's a young man who just really had to make his own way, you know. But he's like he's a Robin Hood figure. Of course, I'm going to romanticize the Robin Hood figure. I love, I love it. I love. I'm like, it's fine. You killed people. It happens. <laughs> it's fine that you give. Uh, that you steal from the rich and give to the poor, you know. Well, I think one of the great things about Bren is that, I mean, you learn more about his past in book two. But in this book, you're looking at him versus the other thief lords in the city and looking at what he could become 
if he let himself. But he's also like, mm-hmm. thanks to Ray, looking at himself and going, I don't actually want to end up like them. I want to be better than them. And now that I'm in a position of power, maybe I can be. Because mm-hmm. like, if you don't have the power, you can only do so much when you're trying to survive. But I love that now that he's, you know, the leader, he's one of the thief lords in the city. He's looking at it, looking at himself and going, I don't, I don't really want to be murdering people anymore. I don't want to have to do that. I'm glad that he's like, you know, murder maybe isn't the best path of life. Maybe I should reevaluate this option. Yeah, I think so too, yeah. buddy. I think so I too. appreciate that he reevaluated his need for murdering people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, and then we have the sisters. I love Naya and Bean so much. One, Bean's just freaking wild. I'm like, she would be such a great character in a book, and I would highly enjoy seeing just... I know she has a short story out there about her, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. If um, Intasar wrote a, like stories about Naya and Bean, I would read them. If she wrote full-length novels, mm-hmm. would 100% yeah, yeah. read them. 100% would be awesome. Would, I would, would, I would highly take you were a novel about Naya because of her ending after the second book. I was like, excuse me. And where's the rest? Where when, I I need to know. You're mm-hmm. going to tell me, right? <laughs> well, I, don't, I mean, you know, we can only hope and we can wish, right? Right. So, I mean, I would love a story that follows Naya after the end of Darkness at the Door. Um. And Bean's just a fun character. She'd be fun um, to write like a coming of age novel about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's just silly. Um, I also really liked Melchior, who was the captain of Kestrin's guard. I just I appreciated his character. He was very loyal, uh, very upright, and just like happy to start training the girls to defend themselves. Um and very protective in general of the people around him. And honestly, if Ray and Bren were not endgame, I would have been rooting for Ray and Melchior. Like he was my second option for her if Bren didn't work out. <laughs> I didn't even go there, but all right. I'm glad I I was like, wow, did I like not go there? <laughs> I mean, I was it was probably just me reading between the lines, but I was like, you know. If things didn't work out with Bren, I would totally be okay if she ended up with Melchior. And that's just, that was in my head. That's all there is to it. I liked him. He deserved, he deserved a good woman. He, he deserved to be happy. I wouldn't mind a short story where he finds love. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Yes. Find love. Man. Then we have, I mean, of course you know falling into like the family thing like with naya and bean i love her cousin melly oh yeah melly was great and so girl she's so so pregnant like she's like come be my companion oh the princess stole you but i'm still pregnant (laughs) why did you go yeah i really liked um philodon too her husband Mm-hmm. again such a great supportive guy he's like i'm gonna be here for my pregnant wife i love her so much she's so wonderful everybody don't you think she's wonderful 
Yes, he will be a good daddy. They are a good couple. For sure. Gosh. Oh, loved them. Oh, uh, so good. There's so many good characters in this book. I know, this is such a good book. All oh, the characterization. So, like, would you say this character, this book was more character-driven or more plot-driven? Uh, or both? I think they were pretty even, actually. Um... Because, like, there's so much plot going on, but there's also a lot of characters that are driving the plot. I would agree. All right, so, the one character we both hated. Mm. Mm. Sleazy, sneaky boy, Garin. Garin. How dare he? I hate him. He's trash. He's terrible. Very frustrating, let me tell you. How dare? How dare you, sir? That's all I have to say to him. How dare. <sighs> I can't believe. I'm still mad. I'm still mad that he turned right into the slavers. And that he was in charge of them. Like. <sighs> and then at the end. Okay, guys. Sorry. That was like a huge reveal at the end of the book. So sorry if you like listened and you're like, oh, no. But we did warn you. We're spoiling things. Oh, at the end of the book. I was so mad. I was like, I was like, don't you dare put her in that crate. Don't you dare. Don't you dare take off that finger. Mm. Least ever scenes when her freaking fingers cut off. Oh my god, that was so gnarly. That was terrible. That was worse. Which I mean, it wasn't It wasn't cut by Gar and granted it was cut, cut by a different thief lord, but still. Mm-hmm. I mean, if she had him and shoved in the crate and made to go to the other thief lord, she would still have that finger. Oh, I know. With her, with her grandmother's ring. I remember that distinct detail. <sighs> Worst two scenes in this book were Garen's betrayal and Ray getting her finger cut off. Mm. 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 Awful. Awful. <laughs> Do we got feelings, guys? About yeah, we got feelings. So about many that. feelings. I hate Garen. Garen's terrible. I know. Well, since we're doing least favorite scenes, we may as well do least favorite scenes. Oh yes, let's just jump right into that. Um, oh, excuse me. So. One, I love the whole like we're going on adventure. We're gonna solve a mystery. We're gonna be super sneaky and we're gonna find things out. Let's go look at tax tax documents. And you're like tax documents. Like like you're over here in the city, and they're like, okay, it's a shipping yard. God, let's go look at taxes. And I was like, oh god. As an adult, I was like, oh god, not the taxes. <laughs> Um, but then we meet a really great character, which is ooh, Karen Karana. 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 And then, and then we meet this wonderful f- person. They're going to be Ray's friend. You're like, woohoo, yeah, friendship. And then she's kidnapped. I was so pissed. I'm like, are you I was me? so mad. Ray finally I was like, a friend and you're going to take her? That's not Bryn or thieves or anything. Yes, I know. I was just kind of like, throw down the Kindle, except not because it was on my iPad and we don't throw around the iPad because it's expensive. I was so frustrated. I'm like, oh. the first normal friend in this city and you're going to take her away? Are you kidding me? I know. <laughs> we got feelings about this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, her disappearing. Mm, I was so angry. So angry. Mm. Uh. <laughs> we'll just crumble. Mm. Oh my 
faces we are making. Also, and I mean, you already mentioned it, but like the merchant that didn't listen to Ray about her foot was so frustrating. I was like, she needs this like shoe to be a certain way. You aren't her. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you, you need to listen to her. She's telling you what she wants. She has the pattern. Take the shoe, do the pattern, you know? Right. Like screw your aesthetic, man. They're long. Right? They're wearing long skirts anyways. Nobody's staring at her foot. No one cares. Walk for comfort. It can look like a crock. It doesn't right? matter. Because, like, if I heard that some shoemaker had made shoes for her and he hadn't listened to her and they ended up hurting her feet, I'd be like, dude, I'm never using his services ever. That's got to be a terrible endorsement. Why would you do that? Why would you not listen to your clients? I don't understand. I don't get it. I just, that frustrated me so much. I wanted to throw his shoes at his head. Do it. Mm, okay. Favorite scenes? Everything. The cliffhanger. Everything. Number one, I think that really stood out to me. No. Okay. Number one is Brendan Ray on the rooftop having a picnic. Like, I mean, come on. Like, one, Brynn is like, I'm going to break into the palace and the guards aren't going to know where I am or who I am or what's going on. And I'm like, dude, you need to tell them about these security risks so they can take care. But that's just me thinking like that. But two, I love how they're like sitting there and he's like, I brought you some snacks. Let's hang out. And then she's like, OK, we'll hang out on the roof. It's all good. Um, And, you know, then he gives her the hawk, red hawk pennant and stuff. And she's still just like, da, 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 da. I don't know that you're the the thief lord do, 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 do. and i'm like come on girl seriously he just gave you the pennant to keep you safe she was 100 percent in denial through this entire book right she's like i don't want to think about it it's fine it's fine um i also loved when um the princess took ray onto the battlements like you know in the whole let's go look at the top of like what's the best view of the city but really i just want to talk to you without pioneers so hold on real fast I'm like that was sneaky, sneaky. I have a mission for you. You shall become a detective for me and investigate all these things. Uh, oh. And you know that kind of just led into the entire mystery of like, where's the missing children going? What's going on? And how all those pieces slowly but surely, you know, fell together. Um, like going to the mm -hmm. gosh, um. They were making bricks. I don't know what that's called when you make a brick. Bricklayer, brickmaker. Um, and, you know, seeing that those kids were, like, trapped there and if they ran away, you know, like, they were basically prisoners because they ran away, you would be chased by the darkness and all this stuff. And and knowing that this cup and the stone would erase the... Yeah. Um, you know, curse from you, essentially. And then in the second book, how it all came together. I was like, yes, I love it so much. But like, you know, you just get these bits and pieces. And so, you know, while we're doing this, there's all this other crazy crap going on too. You know, like with the palace and the wedding coming in. Mm, so much stuff. There's so many puzzle pieces in this book. Oh my gosh. And I love every, and like every piece of how it weaves together. Tax records, Abby. It was the tax records. The tax records. I know. What about you? What else do you love? I agree about the picnic on the rooftop. But literally every scene where Ray and Bren were basically alone, just like their interactions gave me life. 
it was wonderful. I loved watching them. I was rooting so hard for them. Also, the cliffhanger. I may have screamed quietly at the cliffhanger. <laughs> quietly? Did you scream quietly because you have children and you couldn't scream loudly? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I I actually legitimately slammed the book closed and threw it onto the couch and was like, what? so imagine abby i didn't have the second book i had to still wait like another eight weeks to get the second book from the library i didn't have the second book either you didn't no no i i literally i was on this thing where i was trying to like only buy books at the end of the month and i was only buying like as many books as i had read and like no more so I had to wait like another week for the end of the month and then I had to order it except literally anywhere I ordered it the third one was so expensive. Oh, it was so, it was brand new. I mean, it came out this year, so I get that. I know, but it was it was so expensive, so I was like, okay, so I'm going to order it from bookshop.org so at least um our local indie bookstore is getting some money for that. Yep. Except then I had to wait like another week for it to ship so i spent over two weeks just like dying inside unable to focus on any other book because i needed to know how this wrapped up because the cliffhanger hit me so hard oh the cliffhanger was so rough it was very rude wasn't it i know okay um i adored getting to see elira stand up to her abusive family that scene gave me a high like I can't describe. Oh, the smackdown she laid on her mother, the absolute devastation she laid down on her brother with replacing him on the throne, like him losing absolutely everything. Just oh, so good. It was so satisfying. I was so happy. Love it. I got to the end of that and it was just like, oh. I could stop right here almost if I wasn't so invested in Ray. So good. It was so good. I loved it so much. I can't even, I can't even tell you. It was so beautiful. Mm. And then I also loved, so Elira and Kestrin get married in this book. And I loved not only the wedding, but all of the celebrations leading up to it. I just thought they were all so much fun and they were so cool. And I'm like, man, American weddings are boring. <laughs> I know, right? How come how come we aren't riding, you know, in a carriage to our wedding or on a horse or having like a week long oh, the gift thing. When they do the gift thing. Oh my gosh, it was so cute. I love the gift thing. Okay, how do we how do we describe the gift thing? Um so okay, okay yeah. Yeah, so um Elira and all the women who are like close to her um, basically gather and they're all hanging out um, just like eating and drinking and having fun in this room. And so the groom, Kestrin in this case, comes in with his first offering and he's basically, regardless of what the offering is, he is told off by the older women and like scolded until he leaves. They're like... This is absolute junk. How dare you offer this as a gift? She's worth so much more than that. You're terrible. Like, get out. And, like, they, you know, playfully chase him out of the room. 
it's all meant in good humor. It's very fun. And he comes back like twice more, um, like with bigger gifts each time <laughs> until like the third time is the biggest gift. And that's like the one that's like, we guess this is acceptable. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But they make a big show of it being a joke and of like him getting chased out of the room and just like, it sounds like such a great time. <laughs> Yeah, that was wonderful. I love. I also loved that there was like a spa day. Like it was a required spa day. Everybody expected her to go to the spa with all of the women that were close to her, and just be pampered the whole day. I'm like, man. I mean, you can do something like that, but it's not like a necessary part of an American wedding, and I'm kind of jealous. You know, let's see. So there's a whole day where you gorge yourself on sweets, a whole thing where you get all of these presents, a whole thing where you get to go to a spa and be chastised by the crazy, uh, not crazy, but the very strong matriarchal lady with the cane who's going to smack you with it. I liked her. <laughs> yeah, she's good. Can't remember her name right now, but she's good. She's an excellent minor character. She's an excellent minor character. Oh, man. But yeah, that just like that whole thing was wonderful. I loved it. It was so good. All right, Abby. Well, have you mentioned your least favorite characters and your favorite characters, favorite scenes, least favorite scenes to all satisfaction? I believe I have. Have you? I believe I have as well. I would like to know your rating. Oh, five stars. If I could give this book 10, I would. Um, yeah, I mean, you most certainly can give a 10. You just 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 keep giving a star. I mean, two <laughs> fives is a 10. You get all the stars in the sky. I You get a star and you get a star. I adore her writing so much. I'm considering her one of my new favorite authors. Um, oh. Because I loved all three of these books so much. I plan to get her others as well. It just... Oh, I love her writing. I love her characters. I love, I love everything about this. These books suck me in so hard that I literally can't think about anything else. I know I so there is the tears of a dragon which I believe is just another short story which I haven't read and I haven't read brambles either brambles is good um it ties in with thorn it's like a prequel to thorn okay mm -hmm. uh, awesome it, it's basically about how the falling out between Elira and the chick who took her place oh. happened oh. oh so that was really interesting okay um tears of a dragon i think is just another name for or no it's i forget oh it's all about bean i thought so okay yeah that one's a story about bean that's her short story perfect uh takes place between the bone knife and the theft of sunlight book two mm -hmm. all right well i also threw down a five i was closely angered by the cliffhanger and the wait, I had to wait for book three, but also <laughs> it was kind of torturous the wait, but it was great. It was a good wait. It was worth it in the end. Um, you know, as everyone knows, I'm in my MBA program and I'm entirely sure I read this before I even started my um, first class of the spring semester. I like kicked all three books back be and during my Christmas break. I'm like, I got time to read them all. It'd be fine. <laughs> I got this. I'm not going to lie. I finished all of these books and I immediately wanted to reread all of them. That's how much I love it. It's a them. great sign. Um, are there audiobooks of these? Yes. I'm surprised you don't own them all yet. 
I'm disappointed with myself that I don't, but I will. <laughs> like, it's one of my goals to have all these audiobooks so I can just listen to them on repeat because this is going to be a series I read a lot. Mm, I love that. It's like up there with Mercy Thompson, Mercy Thompson and Alpha and Omega. Like, I've listened to those more times than I can remember. This is going to be one of those. You know, my repeat series right now is The Wayfarers, especially the first book. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to let the second book settle. I believe I finished the third book. Yes, I did finish the third book. So I probably won't re-listen to the third, but it wasn't like as good as the other two. It was still good though. But mm-hmm. I love the first Wayfarers to re-listen to. I love to re-listen to House in the Australian Sea to re-listen. Um, and Terry Pratchett... Mm-hmm. The new recordings that they're putting out by Penguin. Mm, so good. So good. I'm looking forward to listening to those. Yes. All right, everyone. That, that's what we have for you today. We hope you have a great and wonderful whatever time of day it is you're listening. And we will catch you again next time. Talk to you guys next time. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use. Or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.